Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. This week we have been praying for you that you would hear from God. And that's what I want to talk to you tonight about hearing from God, but also about evicting the deaf and dumb spirit. Because I recognize that that is a problem that's going on. We've got people that love God, want to hear from God, but are having trouble, can't do it. And sometimes there's, there's other reasons for that, but sometimes the reason is a deaf and dumb spirit. And, you know, we all need to hear from God. We need to have instructions from Him. We need to have insight and revelation and wisdom for our lives. I mean, we, we need to know stuff. He does a lot of stuff we don't know, right? We need to be able to get some instruction from Him. Jesus said in John ten twenty seven, My sheep hear my voice. My sheep know my voice. They hear me, they know me, they follow me. And that's it. The promise is, the statement of fact is that we're able to hear his God, to hear his voice, provided there's not something there that's blocking us or plugging up our ears so that we can't. So we know that there are several ways that God does speak to us. One of them is by the scripture. You're reading your devotions and all of a sudden it jumps off the page and it has your name all over it. And and you know that's something that God speaks or or you're just in a, in a place of prayer or whatever, and the scripture comes bubbling up. I've told some of you before that the time that when we used to be in the military and I got orders for Alaska, after living in the cold tundra of Nebraska already, I wasn't willing to go to Alaska. I was very upset, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke the scripture to me. I have learned in whatever state I am, therewith to be content. Funny, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah, God has a sense of humor, but I got adjusted over it to be content with the direction. And it was a good thing that we went, had some divine connection there and everything. But God can speak to us by calling specific scripture to our memory or to something that we're reading that we hear. Also, the Lord can speak to us from a voice that we hear inside. We know we've, we've had, many of us have had that experience of you're minding your own business, you're puttering in the house, you're driving down the road, and the Spirit of the Lord speaks something to you, a voice you hear on the inside. God also speaks by gut feeling. We just have inside of your knower that this is yes or no, good thing, bad thing. There is inside you know that you know. You can't explain why that you know. You just know that you know. And there is no explanation. And sometimes you can have a feeling in your gut that absolutely contradicts your head. How many of you had that happen? Your head's telling me, that doesn't make sense. I wouldn't do it this way. But in your gut, you know a given thing is going to be a certain way. Also, God speaks to us through dreams, through visions. We've had many, many examples of that. God speaks to us through other people. Sometimes you're just, you know, have the radio on and something somebody says on the radio just is a spirit of God puts, you know, red flashing lights around it says, this is for you, this is for you. Or you've been talking to a friend or talking to a child and have the child just open their mouth and say this thing and the spirit of God go, that's for you too. You know, I've had those types of things. God speaking through other people that many times they didn't even know that they were speaking for the Lord. They're just saying whatever. And, but God is putting emphasis and anointing upon those words. Another way we hear from God is through the parables of life. You know, sometimes it's a series of events. It's a series of, of actions, of, of things that transpire in our lives that God is communicating and speaking. You know, we've heard, um, who was it that told the story about the brake light um, about the check engine light on their car. John Paul Jackson, somebody was telling a story about, um, wasn't it God was telling them not to, 
uh, oh, not to make any more credit card purchases, not to charge anymore, and decided to, well, I don't think God's really telling me that. I think I want to. He got in his car by that time. The, uh, you know, the the light came on that was like no charge. <laughs> and then so, and he got the message, the Lord is saying, no charge, you know. That, and so sometimes, you know, God is speaking through the events of life. And, you know, after a while you're like, no, this is not a coincidence. God is actually saying something to me here. And, you know, the scripture says in Isaiah 30, 21, that your ears will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. And, you know, God directs us many times that way. We, we felt led to, to, you know, make a phone call. We felt led to walk into a particular business or go visit a particular service. Or we felt led or something. But we just had a little nudge and didn't know why, but just felt that because the Spirit of God was directing us. Let's open our Bibles to the book, book of Proverbs chapter 1. So God speaks to us through these numerous ways, but one of the most obvious and powerful ways that God speaks to us is through the scriptures. There is that illumination of the one verse, as I mentioned a moment ago, but God also gives us loads of instruction just through regular reading or regular learning of what the scriptures have to say. The Bible says in Psalms 119, verse 89, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. You know, God's not putting anything new inside the scriptures. He's not taking anything out. They've been there for thousands of years, so it's all there intact as much as we need to have. It's right there for us to use. And so God is speaking through the scriptures. And every other way that we hear from God, whether it's through prophetic word, or whether it's through a dream, or any other way, has always got to be subject to the authority of the scriptures, right? The, the scriptures outweigh every dream you've ever had, right? They outweigh every prophecy you've ever had, every voice you've heard. Every instant of your life is always secondary to the authority of the scriptures. And so when we are in, living in a time in life to where we're not having any dreams, we're not having any visions, nobody's got a prophetic word for us, you know, God doesn't seem to be speaking through any way that you normally hear. I need to encourage you that he's always speaking through the scriptures. You got a Bible, God can speak to you. Now I'm talking about regular study, regular devotion. There have been plenty of times I've been minding my own business just reading the Bible and then something jumped off the page and God spoke to me out of a, a, a kind of a side issue from the main thing that I was looking at that day. There are also plenty of times it's like I've been faced with a situation, what do I do now? And here comes the scripture come bubbling up to my, to my remembrance. This is the course of action you need to take. This is what you need to understand what to do. And so... The scripture is always available, and that is to be a comfort to us. That even if you know, I'm not hearing any other way, I have a Bible. I can open my Bible, and I can hear that God has something to say to me today. And so we want to train our spirits with the Word of God to create a reservoir inside that is full of the Word of God that the Holy Spirit has something to work with. You know, the Holy Spirit will, will pull things into our remembrance. But if we've not ever put anything in there, it's kind of hard for you to pull something out, right? But if you've put, put some time, put the scripture inside, the Holy Spirit can pull out a verse at an opportune time. There have been so many times that I've had the Spirit of God just pull up a verse that I haven't read in months and months. 
but pulled it up because it was appropriate for a current situation that was facing. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs twelve fifteen, the way of a fool is right in his own li- his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. And that means that folks that we need also need to be listening to the instruction of the Word of God. You know, we sometimes we just get full of pride. And we just decide that, you know, I can figure out my problems by myself. I already know what the Bible says, blah, blah. You know what? The fool is one who does not listen to instruction. So let's look at Proverbs 1, verse 20. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. How long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Did you know that wisdom was shouting in the streets? You know, how many times have you and I been a place of, I don't know what to do. I have a problem. I don't know how to solve it. Do you know that wisdom is shouting in the streets, crying out, please listen to me? Please listen to me. So much for the attitude that, well, it's just hard to, you know, hear from God and know what wisdom is. The Bible's very plain here. Fools hate knowledge. And if there's a part of us that's reluctant to hear the wisdom that's provided in the Word of God, that's being foolish, right? You know, when you and I are in a place of, I've got to hear from heaven, I don't know what to do, it's a time to dig into the Word of God. (coughs) It's a time to find the wisdom that is crying out, just outside your door, screaming on the streets and saying, I want to, it says, I want to pour out my spirit on you and I'll make my words known to you. As we turn to his reproof, wisdom is also going to contain some form of correction or adjustment, right? How many times, you know, if you and I are in, in a difficult situation that we find ourselves in, that means there's going to have to be some type of course correction to get out. Does that make sense to you? Okay. I got myself into this mess. I need help getting out of this mess. So it's turn at my reproof and not to argue with and say, well, you don't understand that doesn't apply to me. You see, that's a fool that wants to argue with the voice of wisdom. One who turns to the reproof and says, you know what? My bad, messed up. I've made a mistake. I want to turn around, adjust, and fix it. You know, so much of the time, what prevents us from doing that is our own stupid pride. Y'all know that pride is stupid. It's stupid. Because what pride does, it keeps you from getting the solution you're looking for. You know what? Is there any, there, there is no one who's not made mistakes. Anybody here never done something stupid? Never in your life? No, of course not. We've all done loads of stupid things, right? Loads of them. And some of the things we've done weren't, were, it wasn't we didn't intend for them to be stupid. It just wound up being stupid. You know, we've all done it. But the thing is, rather than beat ourselves up, let's turn to the reproof of wisdom and let's get adjusted. What does the scripture say? What do I need to do now that I find myself in this situation? Look at verse 32. For the waywardness of the naive will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But he who listens to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. Notice that wisdom has referred to naive people, simple-minded people, scoffers, and fools. 
and wayward people and complacent people. And so these are people who are not applying wisdom. These are people who think their way is better, who think they understand better. And so now they find themselves in a difficult situation. But whatever, he says, but if you will listen to me, you'll live securely and be at ease from the dread of evil. I want to encourage you that no matter what kind of a mess you may find yourself in, God has a way out. And what you need is to hear from him. You see, what you and I need is a word from heaven. That's why I said we've been praying for you to hear from God because God's got a solution for every problem that you and I face. There's not a single thing that you and I are facing right now or ever will face that God is stumped about. (laughs) You know, it's just not going to happen. And he's got more creative ways to solve our problems than we can even imagine. And so we're at the place of, okay, God, all I need is one word from you. I need a divine strategy. I need divine inspiration. I need to know what you want me to do. You know, it's like um, Thursday night at intercession, um, one of the one of our people, I think it was Mike, was given an illustration that reminded him of when the remember when the disciples were were out and they had fished all night and they had caught nothing. And then Jesus said to him, throw your nets out on the other side. And rather than arguing, because Jesus, you're not exactly a fisherman. You don't actually understand the trade. Hello, I'm a professional. I've been doing this all my life. Rather than argue with Jesus' wisdom, he just said, I'm just going to do what you said. And just doing what he said, he got the tremendous boatload of fish, didn't he? You see, it doesn't matter because sometimes what God wants to instruct us is going to go contrary to what our natural mind or our training will tell us to do. You know, what does God tell you? He says, give and it shall be given unto you. Press, press down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give into your bosom, right? The world doesn't tell you to do that. The world says, get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can, right? <laughs> but God says, God's wisdom is higher than that. God's wanting to activate a higher spiritual law than what many times our natural mind can even understand. So wisdom has got a solution for you and for me, for everything that we're, that we're facing. So we just need to hear from heaven and find out what it is because wisdom is out there crying. Let's look over at, at uh, James chapter 1. James 1, we're going to look at verse 2. You're going to get your solution. You're going to hear from heaven. I'm going to preach. You're going to build up in faith. We're going to evict deaf and dumb spirits. And you're going to get some solutions from God. You're going to get some steps to know what to do next in your situation. Understand, though, that sometimes the way out of a situation involves numerous steps. Sometimes, I mean, let's look at it. For me to get from here to that door over there, it's going to take more than one step. It's probably going to take me at least 20 or 30 steps to get from here to there. And so sometimes the instruction that God has for us is multi-layered. First do this, then do that, then do this third thing, then this fourth thing, until we have gotten ourselves all the way out into a different location. James 1 verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Anybody feel rebuked yet? <laughs> okay, consider it joy. I'm, I struggle with that. When I encounter various trials, my first reaction is not joy. <laughs> it's not my first reaction. But if we're going to be obedient to the scriptures, we need to turn at the reproof, don't we? Turn at the reproof of wisdom that says, count it all joy. Okay, that means major adjustment is going on. Do you understand? 
It's when the scriptures are speaking instruction. That's the reproof. And if right now you are not considering your current trial joy, it's time to accept correction. And okay, let's get adjusted. Now, why? Verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. All right, we're going to count this thing joy because I'm going to endure and my faith is going to have perfect results and I'll wind up in a good place at the end. Okay? But what's it say in verse 5? But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach. The King James says, and upbraids not. That means he gives you the wisdom without a lecture. How many think that sounds good? Amen. How many that sounds good? Say, God, I'm in a pickle. I'm in a spot. I need to hear from you. And it says God gives liberally, generously, without a lecture. Oh, man. If your parents have been that way, right? <laughs> How many of us are kind of, are you like me? You tend to expect the lecture. I tend to expect the lecture. But instead, he's going to give us generously, without reproach. It says it will be given to him. What's the qualifier? Verse 6, you must ask in faith without doubting. To ask in faith for wisdom and expect God to give it to you, not doubting it. For the ones who doubt is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect to receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. So we're in a, a tough place facing a trial. We're going to count it joy, and if you don't know what to do, we're going to ask God and expect Him to give us an answer without a lecture. Praise God. That's a wonderful place to be. Hallelujah. So God has promised to provide us with wisdom, right? I mean, that's where it says, right? Wisdom is crying in the streets. If we ask in faith, He's going to give us wisdom so we can know how to face and overcome the challenges that we're facing. Sometimes, though, even though we have these promises, we have had trouble hearing from God. I've had trouble hearing from God before, all right? Many times we have. And so we want to look at how come when God has promised to give us this, this wisdom, when he has promised to speak to us through the scriptures, through dreams, through prophecy, how come sometimes we're still not getting it? We're still not hearing everything. Some of the problems come from a few different reasons. Uh, some real common reasons are God said something and you haven't obeyed him. So he's waiting. He's not saying something new till you obeyed the last thing he told you. So that's one thing to ask yourself. Did I obey the last thing the Lord told me to do? Is there something he told me to do that I've been putting off, I've been neglecting, I just haven't gotten around to it? You know. And for people, you look at your prophetic words. Look over the last several prophetic words that you've had. What has, have you obeyed the implied instruction in all of your prophetic words? You know, has your prophetic word maybe told you to do something like, I want you to, um, I want you to begin to develop your faith. I want you to begin to work on your relationships. I want you to begin to, you know, study the book of Nehemiah. Whatever your prophetic words may have told you, is there some instruction in those things that you have neglected or put aside? Now, that may be why the quality of prophetic words you get is not as good as you hoped. Because maybe God's just saying, well, until you do the last thing, hello, why is tell you something new? Another time, the problem is having a seared conscience. Because when we have heard, uh, when we have, excuse me, not when we have heard, but when we have practiced sin for a long period of time, it gets to where you don't even hear conviction any longer. 
and that's a seared conscience. And if we're not hearing conviction, it's going to be hard to hear anything else from heaven. Because one of the first things God always speaks is adjustment, is correction. Sometimes we haven't heard his voice because we haven't checked in. You know, it's just haven't checked in. That's all. God, you got anything to say to me today? Anything I should know about? Sometimes we just haven't taken time to check in. Sometimes we have trouble hearing his voice because we have not learned to distinguish his voice from other voices, including our own voice. Sometimes, have you ever had a difficulty determining, is that me or is that God? You know, is that just something I want to do or is it something that God is wanting me to do? Well, sometimes there is a, it's kind of a hard spot to distinguish with that what that voice is. I have found that if you have a strong feeling or a strong belief on a given topic, it's really hard to hear from God because your strong opinion really wants to get in there. Your strong belief wants to get in there. And so particularly if you have a strong opinion, opinion and you add that with wounding and pain, then you've really got a strong conviction. And you're sure God wants you to, you know, whatever. God wants me to go tell off my ex-boss because, you know, it's, I'm just being righteous. I've heard people have that kind of delusion. It's like, no, I'm sorry. You don't need to mouth off at everybody. You know, just because you feel like they've done something wrong and you're hurt by it doesn't mean God's telling you to do such a thing. Having said that, I find that when, when I've had trouble determining the will of God on a particular decision to make, when I have trouble with that, the, the avenue, the method I have used is to get myself to a point to where I just lay down my opinion and get to where I can honestly say in my heart, God, whatever you choose. If you say yes, if you say no, it's going to be okay with me. If you say this or that, doesn't matter. I'm just going to lay it down. As long as you're holding on to, oh, I hope he tells me this. Oh, I hope he says that. Then you're going to have trouble hearing. But if you can get to where you lay it down at the cross and say, whatever you choose, then you'll be able to hear from heaven. It'll be clearer for you. Sometimes we have trouble hearing his voice because we're only looking for a certain answer. You can't hear anything except the one thing that you're hoping he's saying. And many times that's because of mindsets or that's because of prior teaching that we've had. We have a certain, you know, mind, we've just got our mind made up, you know. Some people have got their minds made up. There is no talking to them. I had, I had an online interaction with somebody a few weeks ago, and I had posted something rather innocently. This person decided I was pure evil because of what I had posted. I went back over it and read it, and I thought, how does she get that out of what I said? And I tried to make it right, and it went from bad to worse. And I became, you know, aware very quickly that this total stranger had formed an opinion about me that there was no way I was going to change. So I decided, quit fighting about it, quit trying. I quit trying to convince them and just like, goodbye, you know, because their mind was already made up. So there's nothing I could do about that. Now, another problem with hearing God's voice comes from the deaf and dumb spirit and unbelief. And that's something I want us to look at right now. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 13. I want to expose the deaf and dumb spirit and unbelief so that we can fall out of agreement with it and evict it. Hallelujah. This is going to help you. 
Matthew 13, verse 9. You ever notice how many times when Jesus was preaching, how many times he said, He that has ears to hear, let him hear? He kind of did that a lot, didn't he? So I thought that was a good place to start in this passage. Verse 9. He who has ears, let him hear. Verse 10. The disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them, To you it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Verse 13. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not hear, while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but not understand. You will keep on seeing, but not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. Hearing they're not hearing. They're not understanding. Jesus says the heart has become dull. And because there is no actual hearing, there is no actual comprehension of what's going on, there is no healing, there is no change, there's no transformation. And Jesus says that's why you've got to be careful how you hear. And if you've got ears on the side of your head, you need to be listening. Because he's saying something, he says that you need to be able to understand because that's what's going to bring your healing. This is also what's going to bring your miracle, it's what's going to bring your breakthrough. Hearing accurately from heaven, isn't that right? He says if you will hear, then you will be healed. But if you don't hear, if you don't understand, you're not going to get the breakthrough that you need. So we need to understand, why is it that people are having this problem with hearing? I mean, he's speaking a language they understand, but they're not getting it. It's not registering anywhere deep inside. You know, Jesus told the parable of the sower that sows the word. And he sows the seed out there, but you know, most people don't get it. In the, in the parable of the sower, you sow out, he said there was four types of ground, right? The seed falls upon four types of ground, but only 25% of the people that hear the word actually produce what was supposed to happen. The percentages aren't good. You know what happened? God promised the land of Israel. He promised the people of Israel that he would bring them into the promised land. Out of everybody who heard the promise, how many actually got there? Two. Odds aren't good, are they? So why is it that we can have people who sit under the word of God, who hear the, the truth, who hear the stuff, but it's not producing their lives. There's not having a transformation. What is going on? There is, there is an obstacle that's keeping people from understanding. And so therefore, when you don't understand, you're not able to receive the blessing, not receive the healing, the miracle, the breakthrough. Look at verse 54. He came to his hometown and began teaching them in their synagogue. So they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household 
and he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Isn't that right? His own hometown was so full of unbelief that he could not. It doesn't say he didn't want to. It says he was prevented. He was unable to do the mighty works in his hometown that had been done in Capernaum. That was one of the criticisms he got. Well, you did this stuff in Capernaum. How about right here? Hey, he said it's not his fault. It was because the atmosphere, the stronghold of unbelief was so strong in his hometown. Do you know, the, we, the same pattern happens today. You know, somebody is, God is raising up, and immediately people think, well, where did he go to school? Who's, who's, you know, who's his credential with, you know? Who laid hands upon him? How, I know that guy. How come, you know? And this was happening. The same thing happened to Jesus. People are asking, where did he get that? He didn't, he didn't go to seminary with me. You know, where was, where was he? And so because Jesus looked like an ordinary person, they didn't believe he had anything to offer. They didn't believe it. And it wasn't that, you know, he didn't, but because they didn't believe it, there was nothing that he could do there. He could not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Do you know, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, right? The devil works overtime to try to get you and me to where we won't believe God. He is working overtime right now in many of your lives to get you to not believe God's word. Because if you don't believe it, if unbelief is a stronghold for you, you won't get your healing, you won't get your miracle, and you won't get your breakthrough. And that's how the devil likes it. Because he wants to build a, build a case for unbelief on the inside of you. Proverbs 4.20, many of you maybe can quote it. It says, My son, give attention to my words. Accline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. The word of God, as we meditate upon that, is going to feed your faith and it's going to starve your doubts. You know, when, when you are in a place, let's just say that it's a healing issue, okay? Say you're in a place if it's a healing issue, you believe in healing. We know God's word promises healing. We believe in the power gifts, etc. But for some reason, we're not healed yet. You know why? Because there is too much unbelief that's competing for the attention that you're giving to the word of God. I would encourage you, whatever place of challenge that you are, where the enemy is working overtime to get you into unbelief, to turn your focus upon the word of God and study those things where God promises and demonstrations of his miracles, his healings, breakthrough. And let that be the place you meditate upon because that's going to build up faith in your heart. And it's going to counteract the unbelief that the enemy is trying to get you into. Because the unbelief, I mean, the enemy is working through the natural realm, right? He's working through, you know, your, your bank statement. He's working through your doctor's, you know, diagnosis. He's working through the news on TV. I mean, all these things in the natural realm. And the whole point is to get you into unbelief and to get you into fear. And so Proverbs is instructing us, wisdom instructs us to don't go that way. Instead, to spend your time meditating upon God's word. And I would say specifically on the thing that you need the breakthrough for right now. If you need a healing, you need to be in the Gospels. You'd be reading the stories of Jesus, healing the sick left and right. You'd be studying the blood of Jesus, that healing is in the, in the atonement. If you need a miracle, I would be studying the miracles over and over and over throughout the whole scripture. That's where my attention would be. 
because that's where you want your faith built up that you believe so you can receive the healings and miracles of breakthrough that God wants to do for us. And let there not be a stronghold of unbelief that's keeping that from happening for you. All right. You know, something happens when you meditate day and night. Because when you are faced with a challenge, the devil is tempting you and me to meditate, meditate upon disaster day and night. Right? Isn't that where the temptation is? To, you know, oh, this awful, awful problem. Day and night, it's all in front of you. And what are you doing? Meditating. Because, you know, worry is meditation on the devil's lies, right? So as you meditate upon that kind of negative thing, then that is something that's going to consume your thoughts, and actually you'll have faith for it. You'll have faith in the negative. And it'll be hard to believe anything contrary to what you've meditated upon. So remember, remind yourself of what God has promised. Remind you of what He has said, and begin to let that build up strength in your body. It'll be life and strength and health to you. As you, have, as you have received and are focused upon the Word of God, understand that it takes time to bring change in the natural arena, all right? To everything there is a season, right? There are seasons. You plant something in the ground, it's not going to show up tomorrow, right? There's going to be a process of time. Folks, we need to understand the same thing about planting the Word of God into our hearts and speaking the Word of God. Give it time to work. Give it time to work. You and I need to be speaking into our futures because I need a harvest later too, right? You need a harvest later? We need to go ahead and begin to speak God's word. Thank you, Lord God. You meet all my needs abundantly according to your riches and glory of Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Things work out for me. Thank you. You've given your angels charge of me and they bear me up. All these things begin to speak into your present and speak into your future. And give yourself time. And as you are meditating upon it and giving this time to work, understand it's working. You know, Jesus talked about the farmer plants the seed in the ground. He doesn't know how it works. He just plants it in the ground. But he has to leave it in the ground, right? Not dig it up every day and see how's it doing, how's it doing, how's it doing. You know, if he does that, it's never going to grow, right? But he has to leave it in there and trust that the seed time principle works. He has to trust it's going to come up as he keeps it watered and keeps it in the ground. And as you and I keep it watered with prayer and with faith and thank you, thanksgiving to God, that is going to come up. It's going to come up because it's like seeds in the ground. You don't understand how it works, but all of a sudden, over a process of time, you're going to see that something has been working hidden from your view. And then you'll see that now things are starting to change in your life. Faith, if we are men and women of faith, that means we are diligent. That means we don't quit, we don't back down, we don't give up. Jesus said, ask, uh, seek, and knock, right? Ask, seek, and knock. And it's keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. It's an attitude of perseverance. It's that endurance that James is talking about. Pressing in, pressing in, and believing for, for faith to keep on knocking until that thing opens up unto you. So, the problem is, when there is the spirit of, a spirit of unbelief and a, spirit, a deaf and dumb spirit, it blocks you from being able to hear from God, to have strategy, and to even believe and hope for your situations to change. One of the manifestations of the spirit of unbelief and deaf and dumb spirit is a lack of motivation. 
If you found yourself just lack of motivation, just can't seem, you know what you should do, but can't seem to get it done. Also, this spirit manifests an inability to act, inability to think or understand, an inability to speak, and your mind goes blank. A deaf and dumb spirit, lack of motivation, inability to act, speak, or understand, and your mind blanks out. A deaf and dumb spirit pretty much just keeps you in a daze where you can't really move forward, can't seem to get a grip on anything, can't seem to move forward. Let's look at Mark chapter 9 and see a deaf and dumb spirit is talked about here in this passage. And then we're going to get rid of it. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 9, verse 17. One of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. Whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do it. And he answered and said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. I want you to notice it's a generation. It's not just that the boy had a problem of unbelief or not just a problem that the father had with unbelief. Jesus said, this is a whole generational problem. Because it was not only could the, the father was having unbelief, but the disciples were having unbelief because they couldn't cast it out. If you can't cast out demons, there's a problem with, with belief. You know? So it says there's an unbelieving generation. And this father's unbelief helped keep his boy sick. All right? It's his unbelief. Let's look at verse 20. They brought the boy to him. When he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion. And falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. See, Jesus doesn't have that spirit of unbelief. Everybody else did, but he didn't. Immediately, the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and mute or dumb, King James says, spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. After crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out. And the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him, and he got up. When he came into the house, his disciples began questioning him privately. Why could not we drive it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot come out, but by anything, by prayer, another place says, or by prayer and fasting. The father's unbelief was helping to keep his boy bound to sickness. Notice that the deaf and dumb spirit is connected to unbelief. 
you know, the, you might have thought, I would have thought, wouldn't you, when you see that this spirit is one that throws him to the ground, makes him thrash around and foam with the mouth, maybe this is a spirit of epilepsy or spirit of suicide or spirit. But, you know, instead, Jesus identifies it as the, the dumb and deaf spirit. And it is connected right here with unbelief because he mentions the unbelieving generation. The father admits that he has unbelief. The disciples can't do anything because of their unbelief. And this unbelief and deaf and dumb spirit is connected to every hindrance for our miracle, our healing, or our breakthrough. Because that's what it does. It gets the deaf and dumb spirit, gets to where you can't think, you can't act, you can't respond, you're unmotivated, you got, you're bound up. The spirit of unbelief is a stronghold built over that. And then there you are, you're stuck, and you don't get it. And you don't get the very healing, deliverance, or miracles that you're looking to get. The deaf and dumb spirit has roots in dyslexia, in ADD, in learning disabilities, insanity, and all kinds of mental problems, including memory, focus, and concentration. I hope the light bulbs are going on for you. If you've been having trouble staying focused, staying motivated, having trouble hearing, having trouble acting, this is a deaf and dumb spirit that's at work. All kinds of mental problems. Your mind just blank out. You know, you were, you were in the middle of, you know, been in the middle of preaching, and all of a sudden, mind just go blank. No reason for it, except that a spirit wanted to get in there and interfere with what was going on. Okay? Jesus called this demon a deaf and dumb spirit. Notice that when the Father, when, when Jesus talks about unbelief, and Jesus exposes this to the Father, the Father's first response is to repent. Well, I'm going to get it right. Forgive me, help me with my unbelief. I want to get rid of this. I want to be adjusted. If we get rid of unbelief, we're going to be able to see the faith that's underlying there. You see, it doesn't take very much faith to work miracles and healings. But most of the people's problem is not the quantity of their faith, it's the quantity of their unbelief. Jesus didn't tell people, you know, that you, you couldn't cast out demons because you don't have any faith. He says it's because of unbelief. That it can't happen. Unbelief can counteract it. The spirit of unbelief will give strength to a spirit that makes people deaf and mute. Both literally and also spiritually. And so when the unbelief is dealt with. Then immediately in verse 25. Then Jesus deals with the spirit. Gets rid of it. Folks we need to repent for personal unbelief. And generational unbelief. What about the cities that we live in? How come we're not seeing the major miracles that we've heard of in other cities? Don't we have people that love God? Don't we have people with the gifts of the Spirit? Don't we have people that want to see these things? Why aren't we seeing it here? How come we aren't seeing it here in Hampton Roads? Because there's a stronghold of unbelief here. That's why it is. The cities where we have heard of tremendous breakthrough, that spirit of unbelief has been torn down. And people there are expecting miracles. And they are seeing tremendous things. And the only reason that you and I are not seeing more of this is because there's a stronghold that's got to go. And there's a deaf and dumb spirit that's got to go. And then we'll continue to build ourselves in faith. And then we're going to see the things change. Hallelujah. I'm ready to see things change. You know, Jesus, uh, not Jesus, Daniel. Remember Daniel, he confessed his own sin and the sin of his ancestors. The sin of his people. And so we can say that here in this area, I mean, when's the last time they had a healing breakthrough here in Hampton Roads? 
I mean, I don't know. I would say maybe never. I don't know. But it's safe to say that there's been a long time a stronghold of unbelief in this area. How many think that's probably right? Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't be seeing no activity. I mean, we've seen a little bit. We've all seen a little healing, a little miracles, a little breakthrough, a little bit. But that's exactly what Jesus had in Nazareth. He could do a little bit of stuff, but he couldn't do any great and mighty works there because of the unbelief. So I believe we just need to do our part to dislodge the spirit of unbelief, to get rid of it so that we can not only receive much more personal breakthrough, but also for our cities to receive breakthrough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now Jesus said in verse 29 that this spirit doesn't come out except by prayer or by prayer and fasting. Sometimes the things that you and I need to fast are the news. Sometimes you need to fast all those things of bad reports. You know? Fast some of the movies you watch on TV because of all the disaster that's, that's shown on them. You know, those things cultivate fear. They cultivate unbelief. When's the last time you saw a movie that had a Christian in it that came across favorable? I mean, most of the Christians that are portrayed in movies are powerless. They're delusional. I mean, they've got all kinds of major problems. When's the last time you saw a movie that portrayed a Christian as a powerful person, you know, son or daughter of God, you know? Instead, what is being trained, what we're being trained to believe is to expect very little or nothing because that's just how life is. Isn't that how we're being trained? Being trained by the media, by what you listen to. You know, it's like Smith Wigglesworth had tremendous history of healings and miracles. He raised a number of people from the dead. You know, he didn't read anything but the Bible. That's all he read. And therefore, he was called the apostle of faith. He was a very powerful, bold man. He wasn't real educated, but he knew God. He knew what the Word of God said, you know. And not saying that you shouldn't read anything besides the Bible, but if you're in a place of difficulty and crisis right now, you need to really limit what you're listening to and what you're watching and what you're reading. And it needs to be something that's building your faith. That's where it needs to be because that's what the results you need. You know, when a, when a person has been, you know, if a person has been physically ill and they go to the doctor and the doctor gives them a prescription, says, take this home and, you know, take it. You know, you're supposed to follow instructions on the label, right? Take this every day, twice a day, whatever it says, until the bottle is empty or whatever. If you want the results, you've got to follow the instructions, you know? And if we want to get the results that are prophesied and promised in the Scripture of healings and miracle and breakthrough, then let's follow the instructions. And if the Word of God says to meditate day and night upon the Word and meditate upon the miracles, upon the healings, upon the breakthrough, to build up your own capacity to believe, then that's what we need to do to see things change. Amen? I'm telling you, you know what? If you're in, if you're in any kind of a battle right now, do not be reading, watching, listening to anything that's counterproductive to your faith. But do go over time and build faith. You know, it's okay if you get a little lopsided for a short period of time. You know, when you're in a health, in a health crisis, I mean, you go to the hospital, they will do all kinds of radical things to your body, won't they? 
they'll pump you full of all kinds of tubes and all kinds of things, and, and they'll limit what you what you you'll limit your visitors. They'll limit what you you know can do. You got to stay in the bed. You can't have people come see you. You can't do this. You can't do that because they're just trying to get you well, folks. Let's have that same type of tenacity and determination that I'm going to get through this crisis by overdosing on the Word of God. I'm going to overdose on faith until it's impossible for me not to believe for a miracle and just make it my business to build myself up. Hallelujah. How many of you think that probably unbelief has been a real problem in your, in your life and in your family's life? How many of you see it in your family line? You see unbelief in your family line? How many of you see this deaf and dumb spirit? Inability to, to act, to think, the lack of motivation. How do you see that? You see that in your family line and you? Then I think it's time for us to get rid of it. And especially if this thing is manifesting in your body, if, you're, if this is manifesting with dyslexia, with ADD, within these other problems that I mentioned earlier, if you have trouble with your mind blanking out, you have trouble with concentration or memory, then this is a spirit that needs to be evicted. So we're going to pray. Hallelujah. Oh, I just thank you, Lord God, for your word. I thank you for revelation. Hallelujah. All right. Let's, first of all, you understand the first part to getting free is repentance. All right? Repentance is a powerful weapon. Would you pray this with me? Father God, I confess that I and my family line are guilty of the sin of unbelief. We have been slow to believe your word and slow to believe your prophets. We have been dull of hearing, foolish, wayward, and complacent. We have been an unbelieving generation. We have not seen many miracles. Because our families and our cities here have been strongholds of unbelief. I repent. I choose to fall out of agreement with unbelief and the deaf and dumb spirit. I choose faith. I ask for forgiveness. And that the curse be broken. In the name of Jesus Christ. I renounce unbelief. I renounce the deaf and dumb spirit. I command these spirits to leave me now. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Go from me now. Get out of my mind. Get out of my body. Now just stir yourself and command them. Go from me. This is not staying. You will not stay any longer. Out. In the name of Jesus, I resist you. I command you to loose your hold upon me. Let me go in Jesus' name. Let me go. I will be free in the name of Jesus. Unbelief cannot stay in me. Deaf and dumb spirit cannot stay in me. You have no place here in Jesus' name. Your power is broken. Go from me now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 
Father, I ask for your wisdom. Pray this with me. Father, I ask for your wisdom. Father, I ask for your wisdom. For healing. Miracles. Miracles. And breakthrough. I receive your instruction. In the way I should go. You order my steps. Holy Spirit, you will lead me into all truth. Thank you. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for our forgiveness. We thank you, Lord God, for our freedom, for our cleansing in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I bless you, Lord God. And right now, I speak creative miracles for healing to any genetic mutations. I command the genes to come into balance. I speak a creative miracle to the dopamine receptor gene D3. I speak healing to the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. I speak healing and balance to the limbic system and thalamus. I speak healing to the amygdala, hypothalamus, cerebellum, and brain stem. I speak healing to the frontal lobes, the prefrontal frontal cortex, and the caudate nucleus in the basal ganglia. I command the over-secretion of cortisol to stop. I command the cortisol release to be in balance. I speak healing to the internal auditory canal. I speak healing to the immune system, and I command the T-cells and microphages to attack any foreign invaders. I speak healing to any genetic mutations. I speak healing to the cerebral cortex, especially the parietal lobe. I command all neurotransmitters to come into balance. I speak healing to normalize brain and central nervous system levels of all neurotransmitters, especially dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, and GABA, and the receptors to become unblocked. I command that all mind confusion and problems with reading, memory, and focus to cease. I speak healing to all cognitive function to return to normal, including impulse control, arousal, concentration, decision-making, ability to retain information, attention, inhibition, energy levels, sleep patterns, and coping mechanisms to return to normal. I pray that both sides of the brain will work together in harmony and that problems with coordination will cease. I speak healing to the pineal gland and a balance to the body's circadian rhythms. I speak healing to normalized levels of serotonin. I speak healing to normalize serotoninergic gene transcription in the cells. I release peace, joy, and love and the renewal of your mind by the washing of the water of the word in Jesus' name. I speak healing, blessing, and peace over you in Jesus' name. Father God, we give you praise and we give you thanks, Lord God. We receive our healing. Lord God, we receive, Lord God, from your hand good things. Lord God, we thank you that, Lord God, as we have renounced unbelief and the deaf and dumb spirit, thank you, Lord, we're choosing faith. Lord, we expect to hear from heaven. Lord, we expect the wisdom of the scriptures. Lord, we expect to have dreams, to have understanding of the way that we should go. Lord, we give you praise and thanks. Lord God, you will perfect everything that concerns us. Father, I praise you and I give you thanks in advance for all the miracles that are needed here tonight. God, I want to thank you, Lord God, that a place of faith is here. That God, we're a people of faith. God, we believe for good reports from the doctor, good reports from the bank, good reports from our job, good reports from family and friends, good reports, Lord, from every place. We're expecting good reports in Jesus' name. And Lord God, we say that all 
all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible. Lord God, you can do anything. Hallelujah. There's nothing too hard for you. And Lord God, we just look with anticipation for how you're going to deliver, how you're going to rescue, how you're going to turn things around in Jesus' name. And Father, let's just pray for one another in spirit. Father, right now, we lift up our brothers and sisters right now. God, we lift up our family and friends for people who are struggling right now. God, we lift them up in the name of Jesus and we surround them with faith. And we ask, Lord God, that you would send forth your answers from heaven. We ask, Lord God, that you would open them up to be able to hear your solutions, to hear your instruction and your strategy for their lives. Each one, Lord God, would know their steps are being ordered by you. That, Lord God, you are very practical and you've got very practical solutions for people. And, Father Father God, we just loose the wisdom of God in the name of Jesus. Father, I declare that this people are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The Lord Jesus, you always cause us to triumph in Christ Jesus. I declare and prophesy and decree that no weapon formed against you shall prosper in Jesus' name. And I decree that every tongue that rises against you in judgment and condemnation and fear and unbelief, that thing is torn down in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Father, we declare that you get the glory for every answer. You get the glory, Lord God, for every turnaround. You get the glory, Lord God, for every miracle, for every healing, for every breakthrough because that's who you are we give you praise for it lord god we worship you lord god you are awesome you are wonderful full of compassion full of tender mercies lord god we worship you and bless you tonight hallelujah thank you lord god thank you lord god hallelujah hallelujah lord god you are good hallelujah we bless you O lord god we bless you Father, we just thank you, Lord God. You are faithful to your people. Lord God, that we've asked for wisdom tonight. I want to thank you, Lord God, for giving us wisdom. And thank you for not chewing us out. Thank you, Lord God, for no lectures. But God, I thank you, Lord, for drawing us with your heart. That God, we want to be obedient, wise children, Lord God, that come to you and say, Okay, now what, Father? Now what? What will I do now? I just need to hear from you. So, Lord God, that's the heart we're coming to you. Not expecting a rebuke. Not expecting to be jumped on. But just expecting help out of your compassion. Oh, we praise you, Lord God. And I ask you, Lord God, as you would heal us, Lord, and get us to where we just quit looking for the rebuke every time we've asked for help. Of course, we need correction. We need adjustment. Of course, we do. But when we've asked for help, Lord God, would you do that work on the inside of us that, that has, has been looking for a rebuke? And Lord God, I ask you to just remove that from us. That, Lord, our hearts would know and believe in your goodness. So that when we ask for your help, just expect, Lord God, to receive your help out of your kindness. Thank you, Lord God, that you are kind. You're rich in mercy to all who call upon your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord God, I ask, Lord God, that you would ignite everyone's faith. That you would ignite us, Lord God, to where we are men and women who have the spirit of faith. That we had that overcoming spirit that Joshua and Caleb had that said we are well able to take the land. Lord God, stir us up, Lord God, with the spirit of hope and expectation in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We give you praise for it. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord, for good reports. Father God, we wanted some good reports.
So, Lord God, the intercessors, we were praying the other night, and we were asking for immediate good reports. Lord God, I'm asking for good reports. Even if it's just this one step and that second step, that third step, God, we're asking for good reports in Jesus' name. Lord, let, let people begin with the next, within tomorrow, the next day, this week, Lord God, begin to see strategy, begin to yes. see positive things that will build hope, that will give encouragement. Lord God, I ask you to encourage your people in the way that only you can. Lord God, we need to hear from you, and I thank you, Lord, you are faithful. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands and worship him. Lord God, we worship you. Lord, when we have cried out to you, Lord God, your word says that you hear, that you answer. Lord God, we worship you, for you are a faithful God. Lord Jesus, you are easily touched with the feelings of our infirmity. That's why you're a faithful high priest. And we worship you tonight. Hallelujah. Lord God, I bless you that you have heard us tonight. I thank you, Lord God, that you are compassionate, that you are tender-hearted towards us tonight. And we give you praise for it. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord God, for healings. I thank you for miracle. I thank you, Lord God, for breakthrough. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Lord. What a Redeemer. Compassionate Father, we worship you tonight. We worship you. You are to be exalted, Lord God. You're our deliverer. You're our redeemer. You're our shield and our refuge. You're our defense, Lord God. You're our problem solver. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we thank you, Lord God, for the comfort of your scripture, for the comfort of your presence. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God, we have the scriptures. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, we have the scripture. We have the testimonies. We have the promises. Hallelujah. For you are faithful, Lord God, forever. Your word is settled in heaven. Lord God, you're not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should repent. What you have spoken, you will do. And we give you praise for it, Lord God. For you are faithful. You are glorious. Hallelujah. Lord God, we thank you that you are the voice of wisdom crying out in the streets. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That you've not hidden these things from us. You've hidden them for us. Hallelujah. Glory to you, Lord. I thank you, Lord God. Oh, compassionate Father. We praise you, Lord. We thank you. Lord God, we also want to praise you, Lord, for the healings and miracles and breakthroughs that are coming to our cities, that are coming to our churches. That, Lord God, that as we have repented, that, Lord God, we anticipate, we expect positive change, Lord God. In our family. God, we expect positive change in our local church. We expect positive change in our cities in Jesus' name. Oh, we give you praise for it, Lord God. For unbelief has been weakened tonight in this community. Unbelief has been weakened as your people repent, Lord God. And God, I pray for other Christians, Lord, as they're meeting together this weekend, that you would even speak to to many other people tonight and many other pastors and leaders, God, over this weekend and have people, Lord, repent for unbelief. I ask, Lord God, that unbelief will be torn down all across Hampton Roads in Jesus' name. That, Lord, this will be a stronghold of faith. This will be a stronghold, Lord, that sees the power, the glory, the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. That, Jesus, that you would not be frustrated because you could do no mighty works here. But, God, that your heart would be satisfied because you're able to perform all the things that's in your heart to perform here, Lord God. Because you're finding faith on the earth. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord God. Hallelujah.
Good reports, Lord God. Good reports of our good God at work. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, God, thank you, thank you. Thank you for answers. I thank you, Lord God, people are going to sleep tonight. I thank you, Lord God, that their minds have quietened down. I thank you, Lord God, that their thoughts are becoming clearer. I thank you, Lord God, that the unbelief has been laid down, and now, Lord God, the mind is able to receive instruction. I thank you, Lord God, for healing of memory, for healing of focus and concentration. I thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you that you speak today. Oh, praise you, Lord, that you speak today. Hallelujah. Jesus, you've given us ears to hear what you're saying to us. Hallelujah. And tonight, Lord God, you've unplugged our ears so we can hear from heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23328. Thank you.